What is up, everybody? Back again. Super excited. Episode 8, I believe. Yeah. yeah. They're all flying by is what they're doing. Um, So, as we talked a little bit about last week, we previewed conferences. We're still in our conference preview outlook. But before we dive into that, we just want to introduce ourselves real quick. Um, This is the Fan Section Podcast brought to you for fans, by fans, from across the college landscape. From Section 100 to Section 300, bleachers to the suites. We welcome everybody. I'm your co-host, Alan. That is Tyson. Two dudes talking college, dropping knowledge. Before we start, we want to take the time to ask you to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. We promise to read it on air. Also, to go over to our Twitter handle, the fan section. And if you want to get into the mailbag, send us your questions at thefansection1 at gmail.com. Now that, now that that's out the way, um, nothing really recruiting-wise, but I'm very excited because NIL strikes again, buddy. Yep. So, JT Daniels... Signs an endorsement deal, and I'm a big Georgia fan. You guys all know that by now. Um, with a trading card company that promises just just around six figures. But the cool thing is, not only for JT Daniels to get the money, he said publicly that he's going to give half of whatever he makes to his teammates. How fucking incredible is that? Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, the one thing I thought about when we were talking about this earlier was leadership, man. I mean, yeah. that's that 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 locker room. Is going to fight for him this year. Absolutely, and yeah. you and you hope that it's it's it pays off and they hold the national title. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's a couple teams we're going to talk about today that are going to try to get in that way for sure of of any SEC team because this this conference we're going to cover is tired of the SEC bias, right? Like they they've been in the mix every single they've had a represent representative in all the playoffs. Um, and they fell short, mm-hmm. and I think the Big Ten is one of those conferences this year that's just tired of it, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Ohio State kind of had the the carpet laid out before them, and they yeah. were given uh, they were given some advantages last year to work their way into um, the the playoff. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but they had originally uh, the Big Ten had announced you had to play in X number of games, whatever it was, five to get in to go to the Big Ten championship yeah. game, and then yeah. they ended up waiving that rule at the last minute, so yeah. Ohio State could beat down on Northwestern. And, it, I mean, hey, you know, at the end of the day, Ohio State was clearly one of the best teams in the country. They beat yeah. Clemson, and, and they made it to the championship against Alabama. But, uh, you know, I, that's kind of shady. And, and, I, and I know those fans uh, that I know of and friends that I have who are Big Ten fans, th- their impression is it's, it's Ohio State and everyone else is just a little brother. And, yeah. and so – you know, we'll we'll see if any other teams can take a shot at it. I do think Penn State's going to be up a little bit this year. Wisconsin is going to be up a little bit this year. Yeah, uh, they're, you know, unfortunately Northwestern looks like they're going the other direction. So, but but we'll see how things play out. I mean, it, it definitely is. I think the reason why is because I mean, you you hate to use this as the it's not the end all be all excuse, but Ohio State owns the Big Ten in recruiting. They do. Like, they really do. They, they're able – I mean, if you're a five-star recruit, you can learn from Ohio State in that region, Ohio, Michigan. You're not – it's because just like a lot of it, a lot of times the fall of grace, right? Like, Michigan isn't what they were. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go play for Carbaugh. I don't even know he's going to be there. So, it's like – Michigan a lot State of that, is really down, too. Yeah. So. And, and Mel Tucker, I think, is – he's doing his best, right, in his first real full year being there. Um but yeah, so I just think that's that's a big reason. Ohio State has definitely uh, uh, embraced that tradition of being the best team in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. um, and I don't see it changing. You know, Northwestern gives a run for their money. Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin can give a run for their money this year, and don't count it Indiana. Indiana's still pretty solid. I'll tell you what, we'll get to it when we when we get there. But Indiana's schedule shapes up exceedingly well for them. Mm. Uh, if they can get beyond that week one game with Iowa. I mean, their schedule, you know, and then week three, they've got Cincinnati. Yeah. Week five, Penn State. But really the back half of their schedule, they get Ohio State at home. Man, I think things really shape up well. The numbers like Indiana. But we'll get to that when we get there. You want to talk about some games you're keeping your eye on? Yeah, so there's a a very potentially awesome game, I think, for the spreading of college football across the entire landscape of the world. Um, Dublin, Ireland will host uh, Illinois and Nebraska. On August 28th, so the week zero game. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that's pretty special. 
uh, as far as like getting, you know, you see the NFL doing this all the time in London, but I've never seen a team play in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how these guys swung that, made that work, but that's really, I think that's really cool. Um, and then I'm also keeping my eye on Ohio State, Oregon, for sure. I think that that'll be, um, that's that's the first real tone setter for them. Minnesota's their first week, uh, September, uh, week one uh, for Ohio State, but Oregon, and then they definitely, in uh, week eight, they play Indiana, and then week nine, right after that, they play Penn State. So they could potentially be, you know, that, that could be an own 2 stretch for them. Yeah, if they, if yeah. Not no, not a super favorable schedule for Ohio State. Uh, another one, week three, I'm looking at Penn State plays Auburn. Okay. Uh, a lot of people are talking about this week two game, Washington and Michigan. I, I, I think people, both programs are overhyped, to be honest with you. Uh, it could be a close game, but they're both at the best, probably eight and four teams. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I don't buy into all the hype there. Yeah, we covered the Pac-12 earlier, and we didn't have Washington, I don't think. We had them being solid. We didn't have them yeah. dominating. And then, and then I will tell you, though, this may be the best year, if you're in the area, to get your behind to that annual Iowa-Iowa State game. Yes, because both teams are going to be very good. Both teams are, are pretty good. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So the media has uh, Ohio State, Penn State, Indiana in the east, uh, one, two, three. The west is Wisconsin, Iowa, Northwestern, um, one, two, three in the west. So... Uh, what we have is we have Indiana, uh, Ohio State, and Penn State. So we have Indiana edging out Ohio State, which I we just talked about. It. Mm-hmm. They they play them once and then they play Penn State the next week. So potentially Ohio State could be a two 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 loss conference team. They could. They're you know they they have uncertainty at quarterback. I think it yeah. looks like C.J. Stroud is getting the nod. Yeah. But Indiana returns a ton of talent. Michael Penix. I mean he's got some injury troubles that, that you got to be a little bit aware of. But Indiana gets Ohio State at home. I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's had as good a shot to knock off Indiana, or I mean, knock off Ohio State in a while that, that, that uh, Tom Allen has this year. Yeah, as far as, like, I don't know. I'm still keeping my eye on Ohio State. I think that that's the team to beat. Well, I mean, and, and we talked about them in depth because of the NIL. A couple quarterbacks are going to transfer out. So, Quinn Ewers is on campus. Oh, I know. Ohio State. <laughs> Ohio State has four. Four four star or five star quarterbacks in their quarterback room all the time. I yeah. mean, it's no. I'm saying right now, like oh, as yeah. we speak, Quinn Ewers is there. Yes, he is. He is there, and he's it, eligible it, to play. It is he's it competing. is asinine, and it it can't sustain. I, I've heard some talk uh, and speculation that one of them would likely end up at Penn State because this is, I think, Sean Clifford's last year there. Yeah, and and I mean, I could see that happening. But uh, but again, I mean, there's talk about James Franklin and whether he's going to leave or he's going to stay, and so, anyways, that'll be interesting yeah. to keep an eye on Absolutely. in the East. Also, you know, everyone talks about, and it's it's a topic of interest. What what do you think Michigan needs to do this year to to keep Jim Harbaugh his job? Man, How many wins? They got to beat Ohio State. But oh, you, really? I, I yeah, I <laughs> um, I think he so he was hired to be. That guy. Mm-hmm. He was hired to beat Ohio State. He hasn't beat him yet. Right. He's, what, 0-7, 0-8 against him, I think? Yeah. Yeah, uh, like, some, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. They, 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 they got out of having to play them last year. Uh-huh. That was, man, I think for most Michigan fans, they like true Michigan fans, they were either relieved or humiliated by that move that yeah. they got. Squirting out and not having to play Ohio State at the end of the season last year. That's as far as the record goes, Michigan would need to have maybe a six and three conference record. I don't see Harbaugh coming back. I really don't. I don't think. I, I don't. I don't really think that he's he's got it on the recruiting trail anymore. I don't think that he's got it when it comes to controlling that locker room anymore. Really, like a lot of players just don't seem to buy into him anymore. I, mm-hmm. And Harbaugh has that effect. I feel like he comes into a, a team. For three years, he's got their attention, and he's get the media, and he's like, this is what we're going to do, and he comes in very aggressive. And then after year four and five, it's like, well, it's the same you know, same beating drum. It's very annoying, very old, very quick. And so, I, so I was watching on Big Ten uh, Network earlier, a couple days ago, uh, they, they recapped sort of the Michigan spring camp, um, or the yeah. pre- preseason camp, yeah. and they were talking about how nat- nationally, Okay, of all of the schools that have players drafted into the NFL, 
Michigan is, you know, you've got your Ohio State's, Alabama's, yeah, Oklahoma's, yeah. whatever. Michigan last year had, ele- I think it was 11 or 10 players drafted into the NFL. Wow. So and, and they were, what, 3-9 and nine last, or 3-6 and six last year, yeah. or whatever, whatever they ended up with their record? Was, I mean, yeah, it just how, blows my mind. That's kind don't. of, I think that that's kind of the tendency that, I, I'm thinking of one particular Michigan fan that is a very close friend of mine. We were, <laughs> we were in the Marine Corps together, and that's one thing he tells, he, he, he keeps reiterating, like, no one makes less out of more. Than, than Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you know, and so coming into this year, you got Aiden Hutchinson, you got a, 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 you know several two or three good quarterbacks. They, they, really they brought good. in Alan Bowman because they thought he was going to be the next um, Shea Patterson. Yeah, but it looks like he's slid to third now. On and the they have a really 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 good true freshman running back that committed from mm-hmm. them at five star last year. I think it was uh, Bray Braylon Edwards. I think. Uh, yeah. So. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, send us that. I forget his name. I really can't uh, I can't remember for the life of me what his name is, but I know he was a five-star running back um, that, that's coming in. Ronnie Bell. Oh, is that Ronnie Bell? Okay. Um, yeah, so as far as what Michigan needs to do to, to kind of upset the apple cart, they need to beat Ohio State, dude. Like that's Well, they get him at home at the end of the goal. season. I just don't see it ever happening. I don't, I don't even don't. know if that's part of the expectation anymore, honestly. Yeah. I think if he wins – if he wins 10 games and loses to Ohio State, I think he keeps his job. Well, Michigan used to be that. They used to be a 9-10 win at average team. Well, just, I mean, the the first, whatever, five, six years of Harbaugh being there, that's what they did. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, so say first four years. He's he's coming into year seven now. And let's see, what was it? Yeah, they were two and four last year. I mean, that's, them and Penn State. Last year is just a shocking aberration. I think it's safe to say that Jim Harbaugh has one foot out the door. I really do. Yeah. I don't. I don't see him for see him coming back. I just. I think a lot of people feel that way. It's one of, and if you're a fan, you, you just want you you kind of just be like, look, dude, we'll make a GoFundMe page to buy him out. Like if that's really what's coming down to, yeah. it's just it's kind of embarrassing. Well, do you want to cover the teams yeah. in the West then? Absolutely. Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Iowa are who we have uh, going one, two, and three. Wisconsin, I think, is the team that I want to ask you about. Can they do enough to win the Big Ten finally? Uh, well, so let me take a look at their <laughs> schedule here. So start off the season with Penn State at home. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and Penn State's going to be coming back trying to prove last year was an aberration. You get Notre Dame. Um, let's see, what are some of their tougher games? They, they actually have... A pretty easy schedule. Uh, yeah, go ahead, kind of middle of the road schedule. Uh, I think Wisconsin needs to. They need to return to their identity. Yeah. You know, they need to get back to running. But but, you know, the tough thing for them is the the most talented player on their team is probably their quarterback uh, Graham Mertz. Yeah. And and he's not really all that much of a runner. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got Jalen Berger, the redshirt sophomore, uh, in the backfield. But, you know, you, you've got the strong defense, like you always have. They, yeah. re, they return a ton of production. Uh, you know, so it's going to be interesting just to see, are they going to try and dial up more passing for Graham Mertz, which is not their identity? Yeah. And if they do that, they're probably going to be, you know, I don't know, 8-4, and 9-3 and three maybe. But if they can really lean on the run, I mean, I think they have, they have a chance to really, uh, uh, you know, do some things here with the top 10 defense in the country. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, that's really the only question I had as far as is Wisconsin able to get over the hump. Um, Northwestern, I think, has it's focusing on the West here. Northwestern has had some real issues. Uh, you know, you mentioned they're starting running back injured out for the season. Um, you know, and they just now named who their starting quarterback is going to be. A lot of uncertainty there. They're real kind of consistent team in sort of that seven, eight, nine win range. Yeah. But they have a tremendously easy schedule this year. And if I look at my metric here, yeah, they have the easiest schedule in the entire conference this year. So so Iowa is probably a better team. Yeah. But Northwestern is gonna our numbers show them finishing nine and three, Iowa eight and four, just by way of having an easier schedule. Iowa, by the way, has the fifth toughest schedule, uh, strength of schedule in the conference. Hmm. That's yeah, I don't know. I just I, I I'm gonna keep holding hope that Wisconsin is gonna is gonna be able to do it. Um, and if if 
Graham Mertz. We we so we'll just drive into highlighting players, right? So we talked about Graham Mertz a little bit. I think if if he's able to have a big year, Wisconsin is going to get over that hump. I really do. I, I think it'll be on his on his arms. Um, but Chris Olave, Chris Olave uh, from Ohio State is who I think uh, and the media thinks will win Offensive Player of the Year for the Big Ten. Um, kids just like uh, basically Devontae Smith, just just a. On Ohio State, you know they finally have their, their big time playmaker after Justin Fields left. Um, he, I don't think they're going to miss too much of a beat. He's going to be CJ Stroud's number one target, and I know CJ Stroud hasn't won the job yet, but it's pretty safe. He's starting to separate himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's clear. In only five games, his production was kind of out of this world as far as fifty receptions, seven hundred twenty nine yards, seven TDs. He was just a he was just a human highlight reel for sure. Um, and then I, I think uh, do you have anybody else you want to talk about that could potentially the guy. Yeah, well, so, yeah, I mean, my guy is Michael Penix Jr., okay. and again, the the injury question is, is really kind of what's going to drive that, but just real quick before we move on, uh, C.J. Stroud, I mean, no quarterback has walked into a better situation when it comes to the wide receiver room. I mean, you know, between Olave, Garrett Wilson... Your running back, Master Teague, is is really good out of the out of the backfield with receptions. Um, you've got wide receiver Smith and Jigba. I mean, just tremendous amount of athletes, but an unsure quarterback. And so it'll be interesting to see what Ohio State is able to do on offense with that situation. I will say, with given their quarterback room, if Stroud doesn't cut it, in, you know, in week one, week two, they could just move in another four or five star quarterback. You know, so yeah, pretty much. But, but Michael Penix Jr. out of Indiana, he really kind of came onto the scene um, last year with that with that first game of the season where they beat Penn State. He, he's a tremendous dual-threat quarterback. You would like to see the, the uh, completion percentage numbers rise a little bit. He's at 54.4%. And what were you saying, about 68 is probably what yeah, you want to be? Yeah, just north of 68. 68 or so, Okay. You know, but only four interceptions, which is kind of taking good care of the ball. Yeah. Um, and and good running, good running capabilities. A mobile guy. You're returning wide receiver Ty Freifogel, who's a first team All Big Ten player, uh, and Miles Marshall. You know, and then on the on the other side of the ball, you get the number twelve defense in the country. So, I I think Michael Penix has an opportunity here to kind of come out of nowhere, um, especially if his leading sort of a contender is a wide receiver. But you think that there's another player that might be a contender for this? Uh, yeah, uh, as far as the offensive player of the year? Yeah, um, I mean, we already talked about Graham Mertz. I, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like I kind of want to wait to highlight him until a little bit later. Okay. Recently, um, just because I'm really excited about it. Okay. But, well, we'll move on to the defensive player of the year yeah, candidates then. Uh, so Brandon Joseph is uh, who I think – out of Northwestern, um, could potentially be be really good uh, as far as the safety. You know what I mean? Like he's definitely not your prototypical type of safety. He he's a ball hawking safety, yes, um, but he's a he's a monster. He's actually a lot. Big. I think he's built more like a linebacker than he really is as a safety. Um, so you're interested to see when he does because he's going to play on Sundays. It's just like mm-hmm. where where are they going to fit him in? Um, he has two tackles, six interceptions last year. But the offense is very young, and they, they also lost recently. We'll talk as we hit Northwestern again, but they lost um, just this week. Uh, Cam Porter, uh, the running back. So you, you wonder if how much of an effect that's going to have on Northwestern mm-hmm. as far as moving forward. Um, they're, they're, I think the offense was definitely a big reason why they were so successful last year. Well, they have that easy or that weak strength of schedule, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, he's, he's a long, rangy guy, good ball sense in the air. Uh, another guy, though, that obviously is on the radar of everyone, and especially draft boards, is D-tackle Haskell Garrett yeah. at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, 20 tackles, two sacks, one interception, one touchdown. He, he had more production in 2019. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, you know, the limited uh, production numbers. The Big Ten, like my conference, the Pac-12, uh, you know, were a bunch of wimps, and they only played half of a season, in some cases even less. Um, you know, and so, but, you know, we were saving lives, so, okay. Um, <laughs> Which is good. Yeah, so the offense, though, it, as long as C.J. Stroud can get it going, the offense is going to be explosive at Ohio State. Yeah. So the defense will be on the field a lot. They're going to be passing, the opponent will be passing a lot, trying to catch up. Yeah. So, you know, if he can sort of wiggle his way through as a D-tackle into getting sacks, 
you know, then then he might be able to make a, a big impact. But I don't see opponents running the ball a ton no, against Ohio State. Not into the teeth of that defense. He's a hole plugger for sure. I, I mean, yeah, he. <laughs> You can't speak enough about how talented he really is, mm-hmm. dude. Like, the the rumor is that during, and I read this in an article, that he has to be kept out of some drills uh, in practice because he's just too damn good. Yeah. Like, he keeps disrupting practice. He, I mean, his motor is 100% all the time ready to go, which is what you want in a D-tackle. But in practice, when you have to pull him out so that you, your team can get a look, that, that tells you all you need to know about the player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, one of the other guys that I want to highlight, though, is Micah McFadden, the linebacker from Indiana. Uh, 58 tackles, 6 sacks, 1 interception. Um, this defense is going to go as he goes for sure. I, I really like linebackers uh, as far as him. It, it, like, the, his style, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, not quite Nate Landman for sure, but definitely on the, on the rise to become potentially as as good as he, he could be. Sideline to sideline guy. Um, does get a lot of sacks, though, which is what you like to see as far as an outside linebacker comes in from. Um, his, his swim rip technique is pretty solid. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, as far as McFadden, if he's able to get his sack numbers up a little bit more and maybe say he gets around like 80 tackles, you'll see him kind of in the finalist for the Butkus Award for sure. He's definitely on the watch list, I think. See, unlike Ohio State, I see Indiana running the ball more. Yeah. And so those will be closer games. And so I, I think you'll get a lot more opportunities for McFadden to be picking up sacks when the opponent is running the ball yeah. or throwing shorter passes over the middle. Uh, so I agree. I, I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. But uh, but I do agree with you. I think Joseph and Haskell Garrett are kind of in a league of their own. And I think I think the draft boards are kind of reflecting that. Absolutely. When you say. Absolutely. Um, yeah, his, he's definitely on the rise. So, uh, talking about rise, we'll talk about the teams. Is your team going to rise and fall real quick? So, uh, start with Illinois fighting Illini. Uh, Brett Belima, coming into his first year, um, he has an all-second-team uh, coach, uh, Doug Kramer and Jake Hansen are on the second team. Um, and then the impact players, Brandon Peters, someone to keep an eye on for sure. Their strength of schedule, though, is going to be really, really tough. We kind of talked about some of their teams. They do go to Ireland for the first game. Um, you wonder if that time zone is going to affect him a little bit when they come back. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't really think that it's going to be. I don't think that it's going to be anything short of amazing for for the players to be out there. But you just wonder about the impact, and they already have a very tough schedule coming back. So, um, as far as offense, though, that's definitely the strength of the team returning just under eighty percent. Um, but their record last year was 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 I think kind of what they're going to start this year two and six. So yeah, Brett Bielema. The former coach from Wisconsin was a, was an outstanding coach there, uh, and then left for Arkansas. Yeah, and was underwhelming at Arkansas. You would, oh, again, you would know better than I would. Uh, I think Arkansas is a solid team. I really do. I don't know what it is about me liking the Hogs. I don't yeah. really like them, but I just think that I just think that they have talent in, in just all the wrong places. Well, year one for Brett Bielema, Lovey Smith really left a mess here. You got yeah. two uh, freshmen on the defensive line. You're, you know, you're returning eighty percent of your production on offense, but that was just not a lot of production. No, it's to not be talent, honest right? with you. Yeah. But did you know? And I had forgotten about this. Illinois beat Nebraska at the end of the season last year. Really? So this it's going to be an interesting game. Nebraska fans. You're over here high on them. Well, last I episode, know. Well, Nebraska <laughs> fans, you better, you better. Kick the ever-loving dog crap out of Illinois week one. Otherwise, it's going to be a rough go for you. But, uh, but yeah, the numbers are, are really low on Illinois. Uh, they have Charlotte in the middle of the season, and then a little bit later in the season, a win at home against Rutgers. Uh, week two, they get my my uh, fighting roadrunners from Texas San Antonio. Hey, yeah, buddy. So, but, uh, you know, a little bit more of a, a tough schedule. Second, uh, second highest strength of schedule in the conference. Uh, so the numbers have them going two and ten. Yeah, that's why they have the second hardest because they're playing San Antonio, man. That's right. Well, that's a part of it. <laughs> so next is the Indiana Hoosiers head coach Tom Allen coming to his fifth year. Uh, as far as returning production goes, they are returning the twenty fourth best team, like right. offense and total defense, production, right? Mm-hmm. Total for both coming in just under just above eighty percent. Um, their record last year was six and two. Uh, this is a team that we, we, we talked about Michael Penix, we talked about Michael Fadden, Taiwan Mullen, 
Um, the guy, other guys, other players to kind of note is all second team players: Peyton Hendershot and Ty Frogel. Um, and then Dylan Powell, who will get some some looks for to potentially play on Sundays as well as well as linebacker Cam Jones. Their strength of schedule is very weak. This team should be in the mix to win the Big Ten, or at least their division, mm-hmm. or their, at least their division. Yeah. I don't see them not making a seven, eight, even nine win team. You know, schedule uh, like there's a lot of wins to be had, and Indiana should be able to kind of grab some of those Ws from the from the basket for sure. Yeah, they return a ton of production. They have a top twenty five ish offense and defense yeah. both. Uh, week three, well, so first week one, you're at Iowa. That's going to be a big measuring stick. If they're able to really show out like the numbers think they're going to in that game, then that that could set a standard for the season. Then you get uh, kind of a, like you call them a bye week or whatever <laughs> yeah, against Idaho. Tune-up games. Tune-up game. But then you get Cincinnati coming into town. Cincinnati, that's going to be probably a top 15 matchup. Yeah. And I tell you what, Cincinnati and Indiana have very similar defenses. They're very similar styled teams, and I just I think Michael Penix is just a better quarterback than Desmond Ritter, in my opinion. And so the toughest game, the, are, the two toughest games probably on their schedule are going to be Week Five at Penn State, mm-hmm. and then Week Seven they get Ohio State at home. The numbers have them losing at Penn State, but beating Ohio State at home, finishing the season eleven and one, and going to the Big Ten championship game. Next is Iowa Hawkeyes, and we, we highlighted them that they actually could be potentially on the rise this year. Um, the Iowa Iowa State game for sure is going to be one of the one of the I, I guess back to what it was right a very very awesome very competitive very hard hitting um, rivalry game for sure. Uh, head coach Kirk Ferentz coming into his feels like his fifty fifth millennium as mm-hmm. a coach, um, but it's <laughs> year twenty two. All Big Ten first team: Tyler Goodson, Tyler Linderbaum, and Kyler uh, Shot. Um, so the, the the strength is definitely on the offense for their offensive line for sure. Uh, they also have Sam Laporte, who's a really good tight end for you, and then Spencer Petrus um, is who's going to be leading the charge for him under center with fifteen hundred sixty nine yards, nine TDs, and five interceptions. Um, their defense, though, we, I mean, we talked about a little bit about their their uh, their offense. Their defense is still the strength of this team, um, but their strength of schedule, I think, is one of the ones that you're like. It could go either way, I think. It's just really, really tough. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they play Indiana, uh, you know, the first game. That's that's, that's going to be a very, very good test for them. It really is. And then at Iowa State. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a tough start. And then, just a podcast we did uh, just a couple weeks ago, then they get Kent State, who is a sneaky good team. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so, I, I'm with you. Iowa fans that I've talked to tell me a – Spencer Petrus is kind of um, he he drives the ship and, and he's kind of pedestrian. Yeah. Not I mean t- nine touchdowns, five interceptions last year. I mean that's not bad, but yeah. that's that's real kind of pedestrian. Um, you know, Kirk Ferentz has a great program established there, but the two teams they're competing with in their division are Wisconsin and Northwestern, and they get them both on the road this year. I just think the schedule doesn't shape out great for them. Yeah. Uh, the numbers have them going eight and four, with the I mean the possibility they could go ten and two, but the numbers have them going eight and four. And real quick, just a little tidbit on Iowa. They're actually they got the okay to rename their field uh, for Duke Slater. So um, I don't know if you guys know, but he's the one of the trailblazing black football players that was an All American tackle of nearly you know. 50, 60 years ago, but um, yeah, so they got the okay to rename the stadium after him, which I think is really cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was, it, it was before the start of last year. Yeah. There were some racial issues and allegations against Kirk Ferentz, and, yeah. and uh, I think one of their uh, uh, weight trainers, yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah. So maybe this is something that came out of that, but but yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's, you know, good for them. They've done a lot of cool things as far as, like, even the Iowa Wave. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of things mm-hmm. starting that for the kids, the children's hospital kids that get to go mm-hmm. to the game. So, um, moving on, though, Maryland Terrapins. Uh, Coach Mike Loxley, the Under Armour, uh, the, the Under Armour Terps is what we call them. 
Uh, all Big Ten second team type still. Nick Cross are the two players that uh, the best probably on that team as far as the secondary goes. They have a pretty deep secondary. They really do as far as talent and experience. Um, their strength of schedule is, is pretty favorable for them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, uh, to Tua's little brother, I believe, is yeah. uh, transferring from Bama. So he's the one to watch, right? Like, can he... Takeover for there was actually I forget his name but he picked Maryland. Uh, he was on that QB one show. He was a top five prospect, a quarterback. Um, and I, I really his name is escaping me, but he picked Maryland and I think he transferred out recently because of Tulu or Tulu. Yeah, it was that uh, yeah. Tyrone Pigram. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was uh, from New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. I think um, so. Uh, so you know, wish him nothing but the best. But what they were doing is returning on both sides of the ball, a top ten team in the country. Yeah. So you wonder if this is a team that can potentially turn some heads in the in the Big Ten finally, right? Like, is are all the pieces for Mike Loxley coming together at the right time? And I I, I don't as I mean tug of a leo goes, hopefully, right? Well, so I got to be honest with you, uh, and in the interest of full disclosure, so I I did my undergrad at the University of New Mexico. Yeah. At the time I was there, Mike Loxley was the head coach there. Oh, nice. Mike Loxley, I believe that this is still true. Everywhere he has coached, he's never had a winning record. Oh. Or, 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 well, I guess maybe, like, his, his coaching record at every job he's held is not a winning record, oh, right? Oh, no. Uh, I could be wrong about that. Feel free to get on me. I've never been super impressed, but he is a, a good recruiter, clearly. And, yeah. And has, it's, there's, he has some personal connection with the Tagovailoa family. Yeah. Um, and that's why, obviously, Talia went up there. Um, you know, he transferred from Bama in May of 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah, they returned a ton of production. Maryland, I, I think the the biggest, the big test, right? Right out of the gate, you get West Virginia at home. These are two teams that are kind of treading water, mid-level teams in their conference. If Maryland loses that, it's probably going to be another two, three, or four win season. Yeah. But the numbers have them going six and six. They're kind of a, a sneaky good team, like you mentioned, kind of a weaker schedule. Yeah. Which would be great for Mike Loxley. You go two and you go three and nine in twenty nineteen, two and three last year. If you can pull off six and six, I think, you know, you got some security. Even job. with all that talent coming back, though, isn't that isn't that kind of a failed season? Like. Well, I mean, when the standard is at two or three wins. Ah, yeah. You know what I'm sense. saying? Yeah, the only way to go from when you hit rock bottom is up. So. Well, and Maryland. Really hasn't done much of anything since they joined the Big Ten. Yeah. So that would be, I think, a pretty impressive performance. Absolutely. Uh, here we go. Michigan Wolverines is next. Head coach Jim Harbaugh. Uh, we should get your friend on here to talk about how impressed he is with them next time. <laughs> um, but so they're they're just a mess. But they have talent. But they're a mess. Um, yeah. So as far as um, their production coming back, offense is 70 70%, 70% on defense. Um, and then we have impact player Daxon Hill, Ronnie Bell, and then Brad Hawks. I'm going to let you – so – oh, and um, as far as all Big Ten, they do have one player, Alden Hutchinson, who's a defensive end, and monster coming off the edge. Reminds me a little bit of T.J. Watt as far as his, like, skill set He goes. does, yeah. yeah Aiden little... Hutchinson, yeah, you know, he's a he is a, uh, a baller for yeah, sure. Yeah, he is for sure. Um, and then, yeah, so really the – I don't know, man. They have they get players. Yeah. They do, but mm-hmm. they just can't develop them. I think it's the problem. Well, so it sounds like Cade McNamara is going to get the start. Yeah, and uh, you know, so he's some kind of weird hybrid between a redshirt freshman and a sophomore. Uh-huh. With these, the new uh, classification rules is interesting, but only, only passed sixty percent, sixty point six percent last year, uh, four hundred twenty five yards, five touchdowns. Probably the most importantly, zero interceptions, which which is impressive. But uh, you know, JJ McCarthy is probably the future here as the freshman. I mean, it sounds like Cade McNamara has beaten him out, but he was the number 20, twenty-five yeah. overall recruit in twenty twenty. Uh, and then you know, I mentioned earlier how Alan Bowman kind of they thought he was going to be the next Shea Patterson transfer coming in, and and he has, I guess, just been underwhelming. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like. You just you're just frustrated because you want them to. There shouldn't be a quarterback competition first off, right? Oh, like, you know I hate these. Uh, secondly, it's like one of those things where if you have a top twenty, I mean you know at this position a top twenty five player, right? Why are you waiting? Why well, don't yeah. I don't understand? I it just 
it's just further proof that really Harbaugh like brings him in and he just can't develop him because he doesn't know how to make the the right decision. I just feel like every decision he's made has been has been awful. It really has. If you, I mean, I get it. Cade's coming in as a junior. Um, technically, you know, as far as his eligibility wise, if he's not the guy, then move on. It's okay yeah. to start a freshman, especially when you don't. I mean, you, this is your last year anyway. It, so I guess it comes down to this. Who do you think is going to give you the most wins? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who's going to save your job versus what's better for this or for this not organization? What's better for this program moving yeah. forward? Like, and the, the answer is what's better is getting JJ some experience, letting him take his lumps, play him early as often as possible. I just don't understand. Yeah. That. Well, I mean, Alan Bowman, it, it, it blows me away. He, he threw for almost, I think it was about 4,000 yards at Texas Tech. Yeah. You know, I mean, he is a gunslinger. Yeah, he makes mistakes. I mean, seven interceptions last year, but, you know, I, I should probably clarify. I don't dislike quarterback competitions. What I dislike is when here we are. I mean, we're less than three weeks away from the start of the season. Right. And it's still a heated situation. Mm-hmm. And I should I should also mention my Colorado Buffaloes. They uh, finally picked. We, yeah, it sounds like they're finally yes. going with Brendan Lewis. Thank the God. freshman, buddy. Thank God. Well, yeah. Yes. It, yeah, he played against uh, Texas in last the bowl year game, in the yeah. bowl game. But yeah. but, yeah, and then, you know, I guess maybe I, I should just uh, point out, I think I might have Cade McNamara's uh, eligibility wrong. You said it's, he's a junior? Yeah, he, okay. well, he's coming. He's a, he's a redshirt freshman or a sophomore coming okay, in. Okay, so redshirt sophomore. Eligibility-wise, he's technically a junior. So okay. if he has a, if he's a starter and he has a big year, which won't happen, he's going to be eligible <laughs> to go to the draft. So it's like one of those things where you just list him as a junior. Um, so so here's what the numbers have for Michigan. They start five and zero, and and uh, well they start four and zero, and then they have two games at Wisconsin at Nebraska. I mentioned to you the numbers are high on Nebraska. Yeah, those two are going to be tough. Then you get Northwestern at home. Then, I mean you should beat Michigan State on the road, but they lost to Michigan State at home last year, and then. Three of the last four games. Well, I'll give you the last four games. Indiana home, at Penn State, at Maryland, Ohio State at home. I mean, the numbers have them going 7-5. and five. It could get ugly. It mm. could get real ugly. Uh, I, I just don't see enough talent and consistency. So 7-5, and five, and I think likely that will be uh, Jim Harbaugh's last season, if that's the case. Right. And it's just like, man, it's frustrating for sure. Um but at the same time, it's also been coming for, I think it's a year too late. Uh, so Michigan State, moving on, uh, head coach Mel Tucker is another person who got, a t- he's really benefited from the transfer portal, man. A lot of players a lot of players have followed him. And he's a hell of a recruiter, he really is. Since his days at Georgia, he was kind of one of the main, he was like Shiverine in Colorado mm-hmm. when it came to recruiting and, and looking over that. Um, it's just one of those things where he, he says the right things, but is he doing the right things yeah. uh, as far as development? Yeah, that remains to be seen. Their last year, the record was two and five. Um, that had really nothing to do with him because he inherited that team. Mm-hmm. He wasn't able to kind of. But now he's got the culture in. He's got the system that he wants in. He's got clearly the players that he wants in. Um, so yeah, we'll just. I, I mean, as far as Peyton Thorne, redshirt sophomore. Um, you want to see his completion percentage come up from fifty six percent, three TDs, three interceptions. But it was also in the you know, just because it was a short season, those numbers they really stick out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why he got Anthony Russo, the grad transfer from Temple, sixty eight percent completion rate with nine TDs. You want to see him clean up the interceptions for sure. Um, and then Jalen Naylor and then Quaverius Crouch um, transferred in from Tennessee, and then Kenneth Walker transferred in from Wake Forest are definitely the guys to keep an eye on. Um, and their strength of schedule for them is going to be really tough, I think. Yeah, I don't get what he's doing, I, I, to be honest with you. I mean, not only are there transfers coming in, there's transfers going out. Yeah. It's just the Wild West in East Lansing. I'm, I'm not sure what he's trying to accomplish. Is Anthony Russo an upgrade from uh, Rocky... Domenico or whatever the kid's name was that was starting quarterback last year. Yeah. Is he an upgrade from Peyton Thorne? Because your quarterback last year transferred out. Yeah. You, you only returned 59% of the defensive production. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just not entirely sure that that this isn't just a, a, a wheel of destiny 
Right. And and he's just going to sort of see what happens. But then again, I, I could be biased. I am a Colorado fan, <laughs> and we've we've got some feelings some type of way about Mel Tucker. But yeah. But uh, but anyways, the numbers have uh, Michigan State week week one at Northwestern, week three at Miami. Hmm. Uh, they also are on the road for Indiana and at Ohio State, second to last game of the season. Finish the season with Penn State. Numbers have them going three and nine. Which is terrible, but absolutely, you know. It, I mean, Mel Tucker. It's kind of a rebuild, and so, you know, we'll see what he's doing. Like I said, full disclosure, I, I don't fully understand what he's trying to accomplish with all of this transfer portal activity. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I see why you're treating it like free agency for sure. You just want to bring in all the players. I mean, but there's a re- I think there's a specific reason. He did target some of these guys. He was like, okay, if I'm building this culture, I'm building this offense, building this defense, this is what I want. Um, and they gave him the money and the contract for him to be able to do that, yeah. and they were able to bring in, you know, however many assistant coaches from CU to come over. And, and So, yeah, Michigan State basically said, here's the keys, give us nine yeah. wins. Give us nine well, wins. Well, I mean, Walker and Crouch, you mentioned, I mean, those are definitely good. Those are upgrades. Yeah. The transfer's coming in. Um but 17 transfers in, and God knows how many going out. I, I, it's a lot of turnover. Yeah, it's moving on. Uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers, uh, which is uh, led by head coach PJ Fleck, uh, all Big First, all Big Ten first team. Muhammad Ibrahim, the running back with over 1,076 yards, is someone I really love watching run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Connor Olson, who's the big guard, blocking for him. And then you have. On the outside of that, that line, Blaze Andrews, uh, second all-first team Big Ten, uh, or second, not all-first team, but second team, first, or Big Ten. And then you have Boye Maffey, second uh, team Big Ten, with uh, Chris Ottman-Bell and then John Michael Schmidt. So their line is stacked. Like, they have a lot of good players on that right side of the ball. Um, and they also had uh, Tanner Morgan coming in. Um, but Rashad Bateman leaving, I think, kind of put them in a bind. For mm-hmm. sure, uh, but at the same time, when you're a first round pick, you're you know, I, I don't I don't disagree with you leaving. I really don't. As far as the the strength of schedule goes, though, like um, it's favorable for them, but I'm really not expecting them to do much. I think that this is like maybe a six win, maybe a six win team in the conference, but their defense is definitely. Uh, does the defense have the ability to kind of sneak another win in there? Yeah, maybe seven wins, maybe. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. The Rashad Bateman thing is really interesting. You know, he opted out of the season last year. Yeah. They went 11-2 and two in 2019. He opts out and some other players. And, you know, Tanner Morgan played, but they, they only finished 3-4 and four last year. Yeah. I mean, we talked about how Michigan had down year last year. They started off the season taking Minnesota out behind the woodshed. Yeah. I remember watching that game. And the whole time Kirk Herbstreet's talking about, oh, you know, isn't it great to have college football back? After all offseason, he was saying, oh, the kids are going to die if we play and all this stuff. So I, I, that was, I vividly remember that game. But I wanted to get your impression on this. Tanner Morgan, 66% he passed for in 2019. Yeah. Regression down to 57.9% last year. Is that just a result of not having Bateman and some more consistency. You wonder if that's just, like, maybe a shortened season, three and four. Uh, you wonder if maybe he was the, – the defense wasn't putting the offense in some favorable positions. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot comes into play as far as that. But it's definitely, like, kind of a red flag for me. If I'm, if I'm an NFL scout and I see this kid being potentially – Solid, right? His first year, 66%, 3,200 yards, 30, 30 TDs to seven interceptions. Yeah. Um, and then you see in a shortened year, you would expect those numbers to be astronomical, like bump up. But they they didn't. As you said, he regressed. And he almost kind of really took a step back. Like he didn't really – maybe he was trying to force some throws. I don't know. I, I think this this year will be the true tell sign of who he really is. Maybe was it a flash in the pan in twenty nineteen? You don't know. Um, but Morgan, it's it's clear he does need to step up. He really does. Well, he's second team All Big Ten, so yeah. I mean we'll see what you got, yeah, uh, but, Tanner Morgan. But the numbers have uh, first game right out of the gate, Ohio State. Yeah. Okay. Then you got a week three opponent, the mighty Buffaloes of Colorado. That's going to be in Denver. We, we still and need to talk high, about right? whether we're going to try and go to that game yeah. or not. 
they they finished the season off with Wisconsin. You hit the nail on the head. The numbers have them at six and six. Yeah. That that really kind of looks like um, the the record that they're. Do you have them beating CU? No. Nope. Oh, Colorado beats you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I mean. Yeah, if, if we do go to that game, that'll be something. I'm going to keep my eye on how Tanner Morgan actually plays for that game. Um, because, you know, CU is pretty pretty solid secondary, I think, this year for, for yes. that defensive scheme they have. Solid defense. Um, so, yeah. I, strength you, on strength, right? I, you just wonder if that defense can sneak out that win. You know what I mean? Because, like, CU, I think that that might be a game that could go either way. Freshman quarterback, you never know, against mm-hmm. a pretty talented defense. So. Yeah, but yeah, but the difference, I would say, is we're CU's run-heavy offense. Yeah. Uh, with, yeah. With, you know, with an appropriate passing game. Uh, Minnesota's pass heavy. I could see some interceptions. I could see, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the buffs, Durrell and Cheverini, they're not going to put Brendan Lewis in a position to fail. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a little bit different when you have a gunslinger like Tanner Morgan. And, and you know, but, you know. But they have a really good running back, too. Like yeah, I mean, they all, and that's true. But I, but I mean, we were just talking about 2020. You mentioned, I mean, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah, there's a there's a. I mean, there's there's some decision making issues with Tanner Morgan. Absolutely, absolutely. Moving on to Nebraska Cornhuskers, you're a little bit higher than I think I am, um, as far as what they can be. I, I don't really believe in in Scott Frost at all. I think that they very they're very underachieving with him still at the helm. Um, their only real player to kind of mention as far as the potential player to see on Sundays is Big Ben still. Um, and then Adrian Martinez Jr., who's reminds me a lot of Taylor Martinez from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just he doesn't make good decisions. He runs a lot. He breaks the pocket a lot. He's definitely that running quarterback, but he trusts his legs way too much versus trusting Big Samori Tor. And then uh, you have Marquis Step transferring in from USC, and then JoJo Dahman on that defensive side of the ball, Cam Taylor Britt. Uh, I I think four wins is is their peak. <laughs> I really do. I don't see. I don't, I just unless there's another schedule out there, I don't see it. I really don't. Well, so kind of like we were just talking about, I want to point your direction to kind of the progression. He uh, Adrian Martinez had a quarterback from 2019 to 2020. Yeah. 2019, 59.4 percent. Completion percentage with nine interceptions. 2020, 71.5% with only three interceptions. In a shortened year, yeah. I mean, that, clearly, those are the numbers you want Tanner Morgan to have. Yeah, it's clearly a, a, a concerted effort they've put into him making better decisions, wouldn't yeah. you say? Yes, but still the four to three is one of those, okay. But you also see on the flip side of that, 91 carries for 521 rushing yards. Right. So it's like... Are you still falling in love with your legs too much? Yeah, no, I mean, but he's a true dual threat. It, yeah. it really might be the system. Yeah. Maybe they just, maybe Scott Frost went to him and said, look, dude, if it's one read and go, which well, and, could very well be it. And with Marquis Step coming in from USC, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, and, and, and you know, I, I can't remember if you mentioned, but they have the 10th. Tenth most difficult strength of schedule in yeah. the conference. So they. So let me it's run favorable. you by favorable favorable schedule. Let me let me run you by this real quick, and you tell me where. I'll just give you the games that the numbers have them winning. You tell me if if it's off base. Okay, yeah. you ready? Yeah, of course. Illinois and Dublin. Yeah, I'll go Nebraska okay. for that game. I really will. Week two, Fordham. Yeah, that's the Nebraska one. So that's okay. two. At home, Buffalo. Ooh. New coach lost their all-time record-holding running back. But they, they, but yeah, but they still gain. I mean, they lost a running back, but they kind of gained. They're good. Step. They're good, but it's in you know Lincoln. What? It's in Lincoln. Uh, you know what? I, I'm not trying to be biased. So yeah, okay, okay. They should win that game. Okay, then they're going to so get crushed by Oklahoma. Okay, yeah, that's okay. a loss. But then you're at Michigan State. Well, with all those transfers coming in and that culture, that's the game that. Okay, this is their first conference or their second conference game because the they second, play a little, yeah, it's the second conference game. Is it at Michigan State? Yep. Then Michigan State. So they're they're two and that's their first loss. Okay. Northwestern at home. That's the well without their running back and you don't know that that could potentially be a win. So that's five and one. Okay. Michigan at home. <laughs> Michigan will beat them. Okay. Even though even though I don't think Harbaugh is the guy, but Michigan's just too talented. Okay, at Minnesota. Can Tana, are you giving me the Tanner Morgan of last year or the Tanner Morgan that he should be, which is Adrian Martinez's of I'm giving you, you decide from the trend <laughs> what you think. I'm going to go Minnesota. Okay. I think their defense is too good. 
Okay, so where are you at? Five and five and two. Three? Five and uh yeah, five and no, five and two. No, you but you have them losing to Oklahoma. Oh, five and three, yeah, five and three. Michigan, yep. Minnesota. Minnesota. No, four and four. You had them losing to Michigan State as well. Okay, yeah. So. Okay. Then Purdue at home. That's a win. Okay. Ohio State at home? That's a loss. Okay. At Wisconsin? That's a loss. And then Iowa at home. That's a loss. Okay. So you have them going six five. and six, five and seven. Yeah, okay. roughly. Uh, give or take that Michigan State or the Michigan, Michigan near the Buffalo game. So the Buffalo game. If those games are coin flips. Okay, really. so that that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That is not a difficult schedule. The numbers have them going seven and five. Okay. Those those are you Nebraska fans. You should go seven and five this year. Yeah. If you don't, probably time to say goodbye to Frost. You know what? I almost forgot. I was going to mention to you. Yeah. I just heard as I was driving over here today. Uh, NCAA, uh, NCAA recruiting thing like was going on at Arizona State. Yeah, just hit Nebraska. <laughs> apparently, this this dead period where they weren't supposed to be. They, they apparently were having recruits come and visit on campus or whatever. They were, and, it, and so you remember when we talked about that oh. with Arizona State. So this, so I would. So I, for well, me, I wonder if that's like. So you know how like the whole COVID thing, like certain states had different stipulations. Mm-hmm. You wonder, I mean, I know it's a, probably a rule. You can't visit. You can't have mm-hmm. kids visit. It was an NCAA rule for yeah, sure. That's so, the state so of Nebraska gonna, never told them so, that they couldn't do that. That's my point. Yeah. So they're going to get they're gonna get sanctioned, but I don't think it'll be as harsh because it's one of those things where this is what your state said you can do, mm-hmm. but we said you can't do this. So, yeah, I think it's definitely one of those. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, so I haven't accounted for that in the numbers Whereas I had with Arizona State, it, yeah, that took a that took a, a win away from Arizona State. Yeah. Probably take a win away from Nebraska. Absolutely, six and six. Moving on here, North, Northwestern Wildcats. So, uh, head coach Patch Fitzgerald coming into his fifteenth year. Uh, Brandon Joseph is on the all first team list. Uh, the strength schedule is very very favorable for them. Had them, I think I had. I can't remember what I just said about them beating Nebraska or losing Nebraska, but they should beat Nebraska. Uh, so, but they did lose their running back today, and they also lost um, their, I believe, their offensive lineman. Um, they're both out for the year, so that's frustrating for Northwestern fans as well. You wonder how big of a blow that'll be for them. Yeah, some of the lowest returning production of any team in the country. Number 126th. On offense, they only return 29%. Yeah. Defense, 39%. It sounds like they have made a decision that Hunter Johnson, uh, the senior, is going to be the quarterback this year, uh, which is a little bit shocking. Look at these numbers from 2019. 46.3%. Oh, God. One touchdown, four interceptions. So that's why I'm telling you, Northwestern is, they're going to lean heavy on the run. They're going to have to. Well, I think that who? they're down. <laughs> Cam Porter's out, so yeah, yeah. I you just wish him the best of luck. Well, yeah, right, and and you know, yeah, we'll, we'll be praying about that lower body injury. Yeah. We didn't get any more information about that. So the numbers have Northwestern again going nine and three with that incredibly easy schedule. Right, and then we have Ohio State Buckeyes returning. Uh, Really, really losing a lot of talent. Right. They're coming back with, I think we have them ranked at 120th, 121st, somewhere around there, as far as the, the type of talent coming back in. But they're, they college teams go as their quarterbacks usually go. C.J. Stroud, can, or Jack Miller, Kyle McCord, or the three quarterbacks we mentioned before, and also Quinn Ewers is on campus now too. So you just wonder who is leaving, who's staying. C.J. Stroud is, I think, separating himself. He's going to get the start. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Nicholas Petit-Frere, and Haskell Garrett uh, are the guys on the all-Big Ten first-team list. It's common for Ohio State to have yeah. probably like nine or ten players on yeah. that all-Big team. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, him saying all those players, it's like you, you expect it. Master mm-hmm. Teague on the second team, I think that's kind of a disservice. Should, I think he should have been the first team. Um, well, but, I think your guy Ibrahim from uh, Minnesota made the first team. Oh, did he? Okay, yeah. good for him. Good for him. Um, and then Tyreek Smith. So, yeah, uh, Master Teague is definitely going to be the one to watch, lean on a little bit more, uh, especially if they have C.J. Stroud kind of getting his feet wet. Um, if they start C.J., awesome. But you just wonder, what does that do for Quinn Ewers, I think? Yeah. He, he's the number one nation's number one recruit. You're not going to sit him. You're not. You're not. You yeah. Just can't. Ton, of, ton of production left. Yeah. Justin Fields out, but it's very much kind of like what we talked about with Alabama or where they just reload. 
listen to this in the quarterback room. Okay, Justin Fields out. You have C.J. Stroud, four-star recruit from California. Jack Miller, four-star recruit from Arizona. Kyle McCord, the freshman, five-star recruit from Pennsylvania. And then you mentioned Quinn Ewers, uh, who just practiced starting Monday with Ohio State. Five-star, number one recruit in the country. Not a single one of them has ever thrown a collegiate pass. No, and Quinn Ewers, I'm sure he'll sign a probably a seven-figure deal when he picks what team he's going to go for. <laughs> I just... I, 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 it's going to be, you know, like I mentioned, tremendous talent at wide receiver and at yeah. running back. Yeah. But I just, how in the world do you handle such uncertainty at the quarterback? It's, I don't know. It's I just, think it's safe to say McCord, McCord's gone. I really do. I think I think he's going to be the one for sure He's going to yeah. transfer. Well, maybe um, both, him and Jack Miller. Miller, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so the numbers have Ohio State 11-1, and the only loss being middle of the season at Indiana. Moving on, Penn State Nittany Lions. Coach James Franklin coming to his eighth year. Defense uh, is just under 80%. And then Sean Clifford is someone I think I, I want to talk about a little bit more as we move on for this. But um, Rasheed Walker and Jacon Brisker, are, they're all Big Ten first-team players. But, yeah, so Sean Clifford coming in at 60, just under 60% completion rate, 1,800 yards, 16 TDs in 2020. It was a big leap up from um, what he – in a shortened season, I think. Uh, but he regressed in the sense of – his, his touchdown-to-interception ratio, but his completion percentage got better. So you wonder if it was just because maybe he, was taking, he wasn't taking as many deep shots down the field. You wonder if maybe because he was kind of running the ball a little bit more himself. Um, but it was also a shortened season. So I, I just I think the, the, the jury is still out on who he is, potentially can be. Um, but I'm excited to see how he plays. Yeah, Sean Clifford, yeah. I, I think Penn State fans, you should be ex- expecting a rebound. Jahan Dotson, you mentioned, is really an incredible weapon at wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, the numbers have them going 9-3. and three. The three games they lose, Wisconsin on the road to start off the season, at Iowa in the middle of the season, and at Ohio State. Moving on, we have uh, part two Boilermakers coming in from head coach Jeff Braun, uh, year five. David Bell, Xander Horvath, and George Karlhoftis are the all-Big Ten first team. And then the circuit schedule is pretty tough for them. I'm not expecting probably more than maybe a good year would be four wins for sure. Yeah, uh, another another team with a quarterback competition going on. Aiden O'Connell, uh, 64.7%, seven touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, much more of a passing threat. And then the option of Jack Plummer, who is has a better completion percentage, but he's more of a mobile uh, quarterback. George Karloftis, you mentioned, he's getting some nods as a possibility of being a defensive player of the year. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess the other team's going to be running the ball a ton because <laughs> they're going to be up 30, 40 points on these guys. Right. The Boilermakers were 4-8 and eight in 2019, 2-4 last year, and our numbers have them going 4-8 and yeah. eight again this year with, right. a, with a pretty tough, third toughest schedule in the conference. Yeah. And then uh, moving on here, we do have we have Rutgers, uh, the Scarlet Knights, coached by Greg Schiano in his second year. Olukun, oh man, Olukun Fatkuski, Olukuni, Olukuni Fatukasi. Yeah, all right. He's there for all big. T- I, I probably should learn how to say his name because if he's all first team Big Ten. Yeah. Um, and then Avery Young, and then uh, right receiver Paul Melton, and then Aaron Krikchink, and then Christian Izian, um, make out round out the second team. As far as like what to expect from Rutgers, I'm not really expecting a whole lot. I really don't know much about them since they've come over to the Big Ten. Other than they're kind of that team where you kind of keep around like a Vanderbilt. You know what I mean? Like uh, they bring some money in. They they kink. They're just not competitive. You well, know I mean? it's so year two of the Greg Schiano take two or two point experiment, right? Yeah. They have the 13th most difficult schedule in the conference. So it's a it's so soft. This is a year. That if they're going to make a bowl game, this is the year they make the bowl game. Uh, it, let me give you a couple of teams that they're playing. Week two at Syracuse. Uh, they get Michigan State at home. They get Maryland at home. They have Delaware and Temple. I mean, those all should be five wins right there. The numbers have them going five and seven. Yeah. They, the possibility for six and six is there. I think Shiano's going, got him going in the right direction. And grinding it out, we have Wisconsin Badgers with Coach Paul Christ coming into his seventh year. Uh, the offense is returning 84% and defense is returning 82%. So as far as returning production goes on both sides of the ball, we have them ranked at 14th best in the country. 
All Big Ten first team is Jake Ferguson, Jake Sanborn, Leo Chenal, and then their second team, Keanu Benton, and then their uh, players to watch for Jalen Berger, and then John Seltzner. Um, their strength of schedule is very favorable for them to potentially win the win the Big Ten, finally get over the hump. Can they do it? They're going to have to go through Ohio State to do it, but I think they can, and they also have to probably beat significantly Penn State when they do play them. Yeah, that's the first game of the season. Yep. They do, you mentioned, have a favorable schedule. Uh, I mean, the numbers the numbers have Wisconsin winning their division, and yep. then it's kind of a, a toss-up between Ohio State and Penn State on the other side. Uh, they've got a good chance, like I said, if, if, if they rely on the run, I think they can have some consistency from Jalen Berger, but if they try and change the offense to pass more because Graham Mertz is such a weapon, they may get into some trouble. The numbers have them going 10-2 and two and winning their uh, Western Division. Mm. Well, that will do it for us over here at the fan section. We covered the Big Ten. Um, just want to thank you guys for coming along the ride again. Uh, next week, it's football, man. I'm excited. Come so the, the, the big week, the big game will be Nebraska-Illinois. We'll cover that in depth. Um, we will get into the meat of the actual season. Um, we'll be here every step of the way from recruiting seasons, from the actual games, our analysis, what we see in it, players to highlight that we really do like. Um, and we're, we're not going to do it the typical media way. We're going to do it our way, which I'm really excited for. Um, thanks, thanks again for coming along. This has been the fan section brought to you by Alan and Tyson. <laughs> <laughs>